All right, welcome everybody to Sports Fluent. I'm your host as always, Anthony K. And this week, I feel like I should do like a really cool entry. Jason Agnew uh, from Sunday night's main event. We're here to talk about some wrestling and this weekend's kind of a big deal, right, Jason? Well, it's not only this weekend. I mean, it is WrestleMania weekend, I suppose is what it expanded to. I mean, in 1985, this was a one day event and then it spun out to a weekend thing, uh, separated to two last year because of the pandemic. This week though, I mean, there's WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday. There's NXT shows uh, Thursday and Wednesday. On Friday, you still got SmackDown. Tuesday, you had the Hall of Fame. Monday was still Raw. It is never-ending. WrestleMania is a week-long thing. And after that, wrestling is on every single night of the week. It is bananas to follow this thing. So it's truly become the Super Bowl of wrestling. Right, where you spend the whole week leading up to the Super Bowl, yeah. and you're and this year they're in um, Raymond they're James in Stadium. Bowl. They're in Raymond right. James, yeah, right. in Tampa Bay. So Tampa yep. Bay got the Super Bowl this year. They got their team winning the Super Bowl, and now they're getting WrestleMania, first time in front of a full live audience. Not a full live audience. We're not the Texas <laughs> Rangers here. Um, <laughs> we're not doing that. No, I, you know, Vince McMahon has a thing where he always likes to run a new stadium that the Super Bowl has already run and then try to top their attendance. And it's kind of unfair when you think about it in, in, in the regular world, in the pre-pandemic world, because you know, you have football, they have a football field. Wrestling has a ring. So automatically they can top the amount of people in there because they have the floor space. Now, granted, there's a stage and WWE artificially inflates their numbers anyway, and they say it's all part of the entertainment. So this year, it looks like they're at about 25,000 people per night in Raymond James Stadium. So still spacing in place, they've sold tickets in pods, and that's the way they look to be doing things. So I want to get into WrestleMania 37 in a minute, or should I say, I'm so happy they went away from you know, XXXVII, I think this year would have been. So I'm, I'm very happy because that was getting a little complicated for me. Uh, but I want to go back. So for me, I remember I was a kid growing up in Toronto and wrestling was huge. My dad used to take me down to Maple Leaf Gardens. It was crazy smoky. And if you remember, they had that platform that was the same height as the, as the ring to bring the wrestlers oh, in. Yes. Oh, and that's yes. how I got hooked into wrestling as a kid. Was there a moment for you or something that just kind of went, oh, I... I like this and and obviously it's become a lifelong thing but what do you remember what that moment was or moments well we're i mean we're growing up down the street from one another essentially both being in the toronto area so everything that you said definitely resonated with me here's my story though and it, it, it's kind of funny that so when i was a kid uh single mom family and my mom had one thing that she did not want me to watch as a kid. Normally people, you know, there's some parents, don't watch G.I. Joe, it's war. Don't watch this, don't watch that. My mom had one thing. Don't watch wrestling, it's stupid. It's so stupid. So what did I want to watch? Professional wrestling. Absolutely. So it came around WrestleMania 2 or so. It was the build to WrestleMania 2, King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan. When Bundy injured his rings, they ended up in that blue cage. And uh, I would uh, go down the street to my friend's place um, and wa I watched, remember watching 
Saturday night's main event, the one where Bundy injured Hogan's ribs, and we also had a match between the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation on it, and they had an old-timey VCR where the remote control had a, a, a cable that went right across the room in order to fast-forward, and it was a top loader, and we played the crap out of that tape over and over again, and it stuck with me. Um, forever since, so much so it ended up in spinning into a bit of a job for me, at least a side hustle. I, you know, for me, it was weird because it was similar. It was, you know, I saw that my first WrestleMania, I was a big Macho Man fan for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I was always drawn to the villain. But I remember, you know, when you brought up Saturday Night's main event, I remember not knowing as a kid which Saturday it was on. Because if you remember, I think it was once a month, maybe. It was once a month and it replaced Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say was. And so when I would turn it on and see it was Saturday Night Live, I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> and I'd turn off the TV and go to bed. So it's, it's interesting. So from that, obviously, wrestling evolved. There was a lot of characters. There was a lot of, you know, you know Hogan with eating his vitamins, saying his prayers. And, and I want to fast forward. So as it evolved through these different iterations, right? And they tried new things and characters, et cetera. Eventually got to the point where there's finally some competition for the WWF, WE. And it was the, it was the WCW. And, and I kind of went through a lull where I stopped following wrestling as much as I used to. But that whole NWO angle got me right back into it. I was a huge fan of the NWO. I liked the fact that, you know, they took some of the characters, you know, Razor Ramon went to Scott Hall. Diesel was Kevin Nash now, and they kind of got rid of some of those personas. And it really invigorated wrestling. How did you feel? My question really is, do you think it helped in the long term? Obviously, in the short term, it got people back into wrestling, and there was this great kind of rivalry between the two shows. Do you think in the long term it really did it help or hurt wrestling long term? Oh, it, it absolutely helped. And what hurt wrestling was when WWF, no, it was E at the time, purchased WCW uh, in 2001, which we actually just went by. It was at the end of March. We surpassed the 25-year anniversary of the final Monday Nitro. As crazy as that is, because you watched it, I watched it, makes us feel old it's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, you, I actually followed a very similar path to you. I watched it as a kid, went away for a few years, and jumped right back in. Because while you had the NWO and, uh, you know, Hogan, Hollywood Hogan over on the WCW brand taking over with Eric Bischoff there. It was actually a gimmick that was pulled from Japan, but that's a whole other story. Uh, on WWE, or F at the time, um, you had the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the villainous Vince McMahon character after the 1997 Montreal Screwjob with Bret Hart, and then you had stars like The Rock, and you had The Rock and Steve Austin with supporting characters like Mankind and Triple H all in the same era, and you had intense competition. You were able to flip, well, we weren't in Canada, but Americans were able to flip channels going back and forth with these two things running on Monday night. It was incredibly, incredibly exciting until WCW really went off the rails, and um, they got into partying. Guys went there to just make the money and then sit around a lot. They did guaranteed contracts, uh, and it fell apart. And the we all knew, I mean, everyone who followed wrestling knew that when WCW went out of business, uh, when there was no competition, like any business, if there's no competition, 
then you can slack a little bit. Competition only makes the product better. So when WWF bought WCW, it was like, well, now what do we do? And there was definitely a slip and a lull, and the excitement is gone. And it's actually not been uh, since that time to the past two years with the start of AEW, which is a promotion run by Tony Khan, who you may very well know that name related to the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah, yeah. and his father owning that, um, jumped into the wrestling game with the support of guys like um, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and started a new promotion. And listen, these guys are the real deal. They are forced to be reckoned with. They got on TBS. We haven't seen anyone on TBS since WCW was there. Right. It's made wrestling exciting again despite a pandemic it's made wrestling exciting again. well so i'm going to get to the pandemic in a second obviously but that was why i asked the question if you felt like it helped or hurt because it kind of came to this crescendo where like i said there was these characters and you know to your point the rock triple h stone cold were just like they're these guys in black tights right the character of you know these flamboyant outfits and stuff went away and then there was this huge spike. And then I felt like there was a little lull, but it seems lately, so it sounds like AEW is part of that, there's been a renaissance, right? I, I hear more and more, and maybe it's because of my kids, or I don't know, more and more wrestling being talked about. Um, and so it looks like it's come back. So that's why I'd ask if you felt like it kind of hurt it in the, in the term after that. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think the characters went away. The best characters are extensions of oneself. And wrestling exists in a microcosm of the society that it is in. Wrestling represents a microcosm of the society that it is in. So if you look back, you know, you have Hulk Hogan, who is the all-American in the 80s, defending against the evil uh, foreign invaders or whatever big guy they had. But of course, the prime example to use is the Iron Sheik when the Iranian hostage crisis happened in the 80s. 80s and they parodied that Sergeant Slaughter, who became a turncoat and represented Iraq in around WrestleMania seven or so. Right. right? So when when that wears off, when, when the people like us, our age, didn't care for that style anymore, right. what did we become? We went from kids to students to people working, probably entry level jobs, though. Entry level jobs were, man, we could do this job better than our boss. We don't like our bosses. Vince McMahon took advantage of that became the evil boss, reinvigorated the audience that he had in the 80s, who were now in their early 20s, uh, in the early 2000s, and created a character called Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is a redneck from Texas. He is the blue collar everyman who wants to kick his boss's ass and yeah. actually has the ability to do so. So once again, you're representing the people that are watching. So what's happening now is... I think at this point, you're looking at trying to get that audience who watched us 20 somethings 20, 25 years ago, who now have kids. And let's try to get them back, but let's bring their kids along as well somehow. And this is still very much in the works to get a new generation on board. Mm -hmm. But I think that is the MO that is happening here. And if you look to WrestleMania this year, I mean, they have made strides to go after a younger demographic with the celebrities that they're using because they've grabbed Logan Paul and they've grabbed Bad Bunny. Not really traditional celebrities for wrestling to go after. Normally, it's the Shacks or the Lawrence Taylors or right. something Dennis, like Dennis that. Dennis Rodman's. Dennis Rodman's. Mike, Mike Tyson. Hey, that's a, yeah. 
Mike Tyson's actually going to be on AEW this week. So oh. AEW is looking at the old school thing. That he's already tried to do a program with Jericho there, and he's, he's showing up this week as well. Anyhow, um, but you're right. Those are the traditional celebrities, and you're seeing WWE try something different because they're very strong in the 50-plus age demographic. But, hey, for longevity, you got to figure out gotta get what the, the kids want, yeah. if not the teens, if not at least the 20s. Yeah, and with, you know, I think the with the Logan Paul thing, right, big YouTuber, he's kind of, we've been seeing his kind of celebrity matches. It makes sense. And, you know, you got to be love or hate Vince McMahon. You have to be impressed with the his ability to really change with the times and give almost like a new product every 10 years or so. Uh, so you got to give him credit there. You do a show, uh, Sunday night's main event, where you talk about obviously wrestling every Sunday night. Um this weekend, is there going to be a show? Because, you know, WrestleMania being two days, which is new for me, right? I, I Maybe I missed last year, I guess. Um, being two days in a pandemic, I guess it made sense, right? You didn't have audiences. I think they put up screens where fans were kind of watched. Yeah, it's called, it's called the Thunderdome. And um, yeah. they actually did that after WrestleMania last year due to wrestling with no crowd is, I mean, it's like theater it's with tough. no crowd. What do you do? Yeah. Gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough. So let's talk about um, some of those matches. So they're in Tampa, and you know, there's some familiar names for even a guy like me because okay. I think one of the first matches on night one is Bobby Lashley. Who okay, you remember? Bob, Bobby? Bobby Lashley was there, and then he left. Obviously, he's come back. He's the champ now. He's going up against Drew McIntyre. You know, let's start with that one. But I, I'm interested to know what matches you're most excited uh, about seeing. But let's start okay, with so that one. Yeah, we can start with that one. That is your championship match on night one. It's probably at this point not going to be the main event. Surprisingly enough, it looks like Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair are going to be the main event on night one because it, it to spotlight the women and it's a star making moment for Sasha Banks. Now, uh, for um, for Bianca Belair, that is. Uh, as far as Drew and Bobby Lashley goes, it's very interesting with these two because the same story is being told here. Here's two guys that you might remember the names of from 15 years ago, and they had to go away from the WWE work the independent scene, go to Impact Wrestling, come back around, restart in WWE, and climb their way back up to the top. Now, Drew's rise actually happened before last year, and he was supposed to have the crowning achievement of WrestleMania 36 one year ago, surrounded by a crowd of 60,000 people holding up that title at the end of WrestleMania. Well, poor Drew McIntyre had that moment but man, talk about anticlimactic when there is no one in the stands Ugh. and you're holding up that belt for no one. So I do think that, you know, despite Lashley being on the same career path, that this will be a night where Drew McIntyre does get that win. There will be fans out there and he'll get to look out into the crowd and see people looking back at him. That must be, you know, we talked about it in every sport, you know, basketball and football playing in front of, you know, nobody. And it's, it's so much different for wrestling, I feel, yeah, because yeah. because if you look at some of the greatest wrestlers, um, they also were great on the mic. They were great with the crowd. There, there was that interaction more so than any other sport. You know, I'm not saying it's home court advantage in basketball isn't a thing. It is, but like I I remember back to you know I'm screaming at my TV. What at Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like you sure. get really involved, and I think it changes the dynamic and. I think I, I, I watched one of the first events last year that wasn't in front of a crowd. And I remember thinking, this is really eerie because I don't mm -hmm. think they actually had the Thunderdome thing yet. It was just an empty no. 
thing. And I was like, this is really weird. Like you heard every mat drop, which maybe that was a good thing, but it was, it was eerie to watch. I felt like I was watching them rehearse or practice whatever. And which is, was odd for me. Um, you brought up Sasha Banks um, and Bianca Belair. Women's wrestling has really kind of skyrocketed as well. Is, is, was it the push? Is it just the athletes are better? Where, where, how does that kind of come back um, into the forefront? Well, uh, we haven't, I mean, if you go back, the last time it was at this level was when we had something like Trish Stratus and Lita. But um, once right. again, it went into a real, real sad period after that and perked up with a new generation of performers. You already mentioned, uh, or maybe you didn't, but Charlotte Flair, uh, Ric Flair's daughter is in WWE kind of leading the charge. But along with that, uh, one of the people that helped this help put women's wrestling back on the map and, and, and let them main event a WrestleMania and also put UFC and women's mixed martial arts on the map is Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was key for the WWE to have her there, uh, get involved in an angle with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and create some actual superstars. Um, and yeah, I mean, th there there is going to be that match with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair on night one. A few things were kind of screwed up this year uh, with the women's angles on the card uh, because Charlotte Flair tested positive for COVID-19 and really threw a wrench into things, uh, having to be off a couple weeks and is not even on the card. At present, we'll see if they shoehorn her in somehow. But um, yeah, without her, um, they're putting Bianca and Sasha there. Night number two has Rhea Ripley, who's a bit of a newcomer for most fans, versus Asuka, who is their champion on the other brand, on the Raw brand. So, yeah, it's represented. Uh, I don't think this year is by any means a peak for women's wrestling. I think they've had some stumbles on their way to this event, but it is there. Yeah, because I was I was looking at something, I think, yesterday where there was a card that's a fatal four-way, but then they leaked a picture that was made it like a fatal five-way, but then they took it back and made it a fatal four-way again. And, and I read that are, are all the matches really, um, they said some of them aren't even decided yet. There might be still some changes based on what happens on Friday nights on Friday night is, do you think they're going to change up the card? Obviously I don't think drastically, but do you think there's going to be changes? Well, um, it is always card subject to change at the bottom of every <laughs> <Right>. WrestleMania, uh, <laughs> you know, card that you see that you have printed. You talked about Maple Leaf Gardens when you used to get that sheet in the program at the bottom card subject to change. You know, they made a switch on Monday night, but I think it was always in the works where uh, Mike Mazan and The Miz uh, was supposed to be facing off against Bad Bunny. And now they're making it a tag team where Bad Bunny is um, pairing up with Damian Priest to face The Miz and John Morrison and that makes sense when you put a celebrity into a match you want them to be supported by three active wrestlers at their right. side as opposed to just being one-on-one -on -one. it makes a hell of a difference it's a much better decision for the celebrity involved and for the people watching so listen things could change but I think ultimately anything that is important on the card is set in place right now uh, even though a lot of these matches feel a little bit rushed, especially your main one for SmackDown, which is the three-way between Edge, Reigns, and Brian. That one's been in place for about three weeks now, which is still actually very short, but uh, that one is there. The only thing the card subject to change this year really does apply to, and we've seen it in every sport, is a positive COVID-19 test right. and an outbreak. That's going to be my and next question. WWE yeah. had it a couple weeks ago with their NXT brand. The shows were completely rewritten. Uh, I already mentioned Charlotte Flair was off the card. Uh, two, maybe two, three months ago, Drew McIntyre tested positive, so he had to be pulled off. The difference with WWE is 
only in very rare cases have they revealed who has tested positive. They did it with Charlotte, and I think that their hand was forced to do it with Drew McIntyre. But normally, you just don't see someone for two or three weeks on television. All of a sudden, they pop back in. We've seen that many, many times. Yeah, because I guess it's, I don't want to say easier to kind of write them out or you know, there's always an injury angle. There can be at home. You've, you've seen those kind of promo things that they can do. For, from your perspective, is there a match or two that you're most excited to kind of see this weekend? It really is the main event that I was yeah. just speaking of. So Roman Reigns, Edge, and uh, Daniel Bryan uh, is an interesting dynamic because we don't necessarily know who's going to win. Yes, everything's predetermined. I'm sure someone knows who's going to win, but Vince McMahon does change his mind a lot. And if you look at the storyline with these three individuals, there's reasons for each one of them to win. I mean, we're both sitting here uh, in the greater Toronto area, edges from Orangeville. You know, here's a guy who seven years ago was at WrestleMania, wrestled, had to go on Raw the next night and retire because his neck was so messed up. Seven years later, he battles back. He makes a triumphant return in the Royal Rumble, has a great showing, and then is in a feud with Randy Orton, rips up his tricep. He's got to be out another year. He comes back again. He's taken on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, wins the Royal Rumble to do that. And they're not telling that story as him being a babyface at this point. He, they, for some reason, spun him into being you know, a heel, which is very strange to me, but there's all the reasons for him to to win. Roman Reigns is someone that fought cancer, fought, you know, and came back from that and then came back and everyone, initially he was a baby face and everyone loved him and then they flipped him into a heel and he's playing this great Godfather style character now. And WWE wants to keep him strong because down the line, he's probably got Brock Lesnar in his future. And the end game here is The Rock, his cousin, Dwayne Johnson, and him main eventing a WrestleMania. Whether that be next year or whether it be the year after, that's the end game. All the reason to have him win, keep him strong. Daniel Bryan made his way back from concussions. He was forced to retire. He is back now. He is presented as the babyface in this match. And ultimately, WWE always likes to have their second night or their their main event of wrestlemania now their second night end with a baby face winning and daniel bryan has this thing that he does called the yes chant with the whole oh, yeah. crowd just chants yes 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 doesn't wwe want to end that night right. with close their the show out with everybody chanting yes yeah. yeah there's reasons for all three to win so therefore that is, uh, you know, you can see two guys go in there and wrestle and perform well, but it's when you engage fans with a storyline that is really what gets, you know, wrestling fans thinking and gets their blood flowing and gets them wanting to watch that match. So that one is my top-notch, uh, top choice. I, I remember when I first found out that the ends were, were predetermined and people would ask me, why do you still watch it? And I would always tell them it's the storylines like oh, yeah. the, the matches are fun to watch because, you know, people I don't think people give enough credit to the athletes. You know, there's these big, huge guys flying around a ring and getting hurt legitimately, like to your point with Edge and and they don't give them enough credit there. And I said, look, it's great to watch the matches, but the storylines always again, I'm talking about when you had the rock and Stone Cold on the mic. It was great. Or Jeff, uh, not Jeff, uh, Chris Jericho, like just their their mic presence was the part that just always got me, just kept me involved, which I thought was fantastic. Um, you, you'd mentioned, and you know, we're going to end on this part because you'd mentioned it, and I wouldn't be a good Canadian kid if I didn't get your opinion on the Montreal screw job. You mentioned it oh, a little boy. bit earlier. Um, I remember it happening. Um, you know, it, it, you know, there's 
there's always something, there's moments, there's maybe a, a dozen or a half a dozen moments that I remember in my life going, oh, that was real. Oh, that was real watching a wrestling. And, and that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, that was real. They, he's, you don't spit in someone's face, you know, like that. Um, what was your, what kind of, what were you thinking then? Was it, you know, how much have you uncovered about what actually happened? Um, I mean, I've done a documentary on Bret Hart. Uh, I actually produced a documentary. So uh, it, yeah, it was real. Um, <laughs> but never say never in wrestling. He did go back. Uh, it was at a time where the belt, the championship belt met so much. Bret is such a purist. Uh, and they, it was a, it was a screw job. And then Brett went to WCW and they had, they had him just gift wrapped and didn't know what to do with him. Didn't know how to use him. failed miserably. He, then Brett got kicked in the head twice by Goldberg, uh, had massive concussion issues, fell off his bike in Calgary, had a stroke. Like the man has had a real rough go after that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, to people that say that that was choreographed and that was fake, no, I, I do not believe that is the case. I do believe it was a screw job. And then those guys came together afterwards because, as I mentioned in wrestling, there is a never say never is uh, one of the key slogans in pro wrestling. Everyone seems to come back all over again. And so it's, it's interesting because one of the things that I recall was that like there's a contract thing, right? Like if Brett Brett was set to go to WCW the next day, if I'm if, correct me if I'm wrong, and they just didn't want him showing up with the belt, right? He couldn't show up there with the WWE belt, could or as um, the champ, could he? No. Uh, so there, I mean, there was a lot to it. They had a situation where a woman named Alondra, well, not named that, but she was a character named Alondra Blaze on WWE. She was a champion in WWF, I guess, at the time, and then showed up. She's also Medusa Michelli. Her contract expired in WWE. She went over to WCW, brought the women's title, dropped it in a garbage can, and I guess Vince had that thought. But I mean, that wasn't going to happen. Brett didn't want to lose in Canada. He put a whole bunch of different scenarios in front of Vince to lose the title at other times and other places places but just not in Canada yeah. and uh, that was unacceptable to Vince um, and there's something to be said for that side of things I mean you're a wrestler and everything's predetermined so lose where the promoter tells you to lose so listen yeah. there's there's fault on both sides here for for that whole scenario to play out but yeah maybe Vince was worried about the title going to being shown on WCW but there would have been one hell of a lawsuit if their intellectual property was shown on another station. So I don't know. I, that thing is just, I mean, Montreal, the Montreal screw job for any wrestling fan is just so overplayed. Go watch wrestling with shadows though. It is, it is a good movie. It is a good documentary. I've, I've watched every piece. Of, it is actually really good. And I actually had my wife who's not a wrestling fan, watch it with me. And she was like these, again, it was about the story. She's like, wow, this is, it was interesting to watch whether you're a wrestling fan or not, which I thought was great. Um, last thing, how do you feel, you know, you'd mentioned uh, Roman Reigns kind of building up to that uh, match against his cousin, nephew, or uncle, whatever he said, The Rock was the his Rock, cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about, and, or how do wrestlers feel about these guys like The Rock or, you know, sometimes Brock Lesnar where they're out, you know, doing other things, uh, you know, like obviously The Rock has become a huge celebrity outside of wrestling and then just kind of popping back in and then popping back out again. So, you know, from what I know, some people would say there's discontent by individuals on the roster because it's like, oh, you're taking my spot. But the fact of the matter is, the more eyes on the product, the better. 
And there is simply no one out there. I think you can put a period at the end of that sentence. No one out there that can draw more eyeballs to pro wrestling than The Rock. And I say that because he's the biggest thing in Hollywood. He also has a history of professional wrestling. So, and he'll be engaged with what he's doing. Whereas some celebrities show up and are just like, oh, I'm here, I'm gonna mess around. You know, I don't really care about this, but The Rock is into it. And if he's gonna do another match, it will be one of the biggest matches uh, in history for him coming back again. He did it a few years ago with John Cena, but it's a lot, it's getting a lot harder for him to do that. What happened in his, I think it was the second match with John Cena, he hurt himself pretty bad. I can't remember the exact injury, but it really screwed up the filming for Hercules. Oh, so okay. if he has anything that is going on movie-wise and he hasn't blocked off time for a potential recovery, then the insurance will no longer cover him and going to do a wrestling match. But I know, I think he wants to. And listen, that that's his blood, right? I mean, he wants to help his cousin get over and yeah. be that, you know, superstar and transfer that star power over. Um, so I, I really do think that that match will happen they just got to get it in before Dwayne gets too old to uh, do it before he makes his way to being president <laughs> you you caught me off guard I was gonna say he could go to his 70s like Rick Flair did but maybe president that's maybe not a bad thing <laughs> hey listen that's what he's teasing with his young rock show right I mean it's him it's him being interviewed uh, for a presidential run. And I, I don't put it past him. I mean, the guy is, he's one of those people that you look at, look at and I mean, <laughs> most of us should should really despise this guy because he's got everything, but he's also just so damn lovable. He, he really seems is. like such I'm, a good person. I want to hate him and I keep watching yeah. him going, I, I kind of, like he makes me laugh. You know, I get involved. I was like, yeah, I like him. I, I yeah, get you're it. Too handsome, too handsome to be that damn funny. Right? Yeah. Um, I just and I see him and I'm like, man, I'm I think I'm a couple of years younger and he's in much better shape oh, than I am. My goodness. I follow on Instagram and it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you there. But hey, listen, you know, you say it as a presidential run and people might think you're crazy, but Ronald Reagan was an actor. Donald yeah, Trump. Right, Donald Trump, Trump was, was ridiculous. Jesse Ventura is your your example of pro wrestling going yeah. to become a governor. Uh, Kane, Glenn Jacobs, who played the character of Kane, is yeah. the mayor of Knoxville County. Uh, so it is something we've seen on you know a slightly lesser scale. Though I mean, being a governor, that's that's something. That's pretty big. Oh no, um, I remember that. It, part of it is just going to be you know, and <laughs> I, I guess Trump set uh, what can happen with having no political background and somehow becoming president so listen hey what did i say about wrestling there's a phrase and it's never say never <laughs> and i think that that really applies to the rock and politics as well because let's face it it's a popularity contest and as we both just said he is the most charismatic person yeah. perhaps on planet earth so and he also does a great impression of Barack Obama as well, as we've seen him play The Rock Obama on SNL a few years ago. So, that's right. That's right. Boom. is a bigger, a big, a bigger version of the Barack. He, he said he could do that impression for four or eight years. Unfortunately, he won't be able to get our votes because uh, no. I, I can't vote in the U.S. and I don't think you can either. No. Um, where can we find? I know Sunday night's main event is on TSN radio, but also you have your website. Can you tell us where we can find you and, and the millions of things you do? Because it's not just yeah. this, obviously. 
No, so for for all the wrestling coverage, uh, visit us at uh, SundayNightsMainEvent.com. And if you enjoy what you're hearing of me talking about wrestling, yeah, we do have a weekly show that we put up there for free, uh, but then we do a deep dive. Uh, we have shows each and every day on our Patreon. It's a dollar a week, and it's Patreon.com slash SNME Radio. And there's a show up there each and every day, and a fun one that uh, is really going to cross over into pop culture that's going up on Friday is going to be a chat that I had with a bunch of lifelong wrestling fans that still love it today. Andrew Fung from Kim's Convenience, Carlos oh. Bustamante, the host of ET Canada, and Kay Trevor Wilson, who plays Squirrely Dan on Letterkenny. All of them pals of mine from the entertainment scene because I work in comedy as well. And we just sit around like we were at a bar and just shoot the shit about pro wrestling and how there is this strange bond when you're in a room with people and you happen to be a wrestling fan and find out someone else is a wrestling fan. Then you take a deep dive into how much of a wrestling fan are you? And then you start talking New Japan and ECW and tape trading and you find out. Um, we had a great chat. It was about an hour long and it's really just fun to hear how that can happen and, and just how wrestling has allowed these guys in particular andrew who's moved from calgary to toronto to star in kim's convenience uh has allowed him to stay connected to his pals from college and high school um despite making the move wrestling is just that thing and it's, it's you know it's like sports it's an excuse to get together and chat with your friends right like that is a lot of what wrestling is so that conversation is really fun so once again i find it at patreon.com slash snme radio perfect i you know it's funny that you mentioned that because i had a friend for about 20 years and the only time we saw each other was when he came over to my place to watch monday night raw that that was our oh, thing there you came, go. came over monday night we watched a couple hours and it was like all right see you later and i don't think we ever talked any other time except during those couple of hours every monday so it, it happens it's an excuse it's, it's an a excuse. guy it's bonding great. excuse absolutely jason thank you so much for your time uh everybody hope that helps you be a little bit more fluent in wrestling until next week are you fluent Get the full Sports Fluent experience at sportsfluent.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. You can search us on YouTube at sportsfluent, and don't forget to subscribe. Or if you're looking for some great merchandise or to support the podcast, visit sportsfluent.com slash merchandise.